really doing it working with art having fun with art just really getting out there just yeah. doing all those things but sometimes staying in and making art. a monthly podcast about staying in <laughs> Maybe we, we would be experts on that we, we, we'd be really good pretty good at that is that an art form staying in it is unfortunately it is the most boring art <laughs> we have an exciting show planned for today we have a very exciting show planned for today. We are diving back into a pool that we've already peed in. <laughs> Sorry, that just came out. <laughs> that wasn't even my plan. <laughs> so wrong. Today, we touch back on a subject <laughs> that we've already touched. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good either. Today, oh, we reap the juicy crops that we planted two episodes ago. When we did some stuff on illustration. Time for sloppy seconds. This is never going to turn out good. Today we dive back into the seedy world of illustration. Today we speak with... Laura Bifano. A supremely talented illustrator who's a contemporary of Rene Nault, who you might remember from our watercolor episode. I think I have a, an audio clip of Renee around here somewhere. Hi, I'm Renee Nault. Moss is the winner. There we go. Remember her? Oh, yes. I remember Renee. Like Renee, Laura is a professional illustrator. Yeah, can we do like a warm-up? <laughs> I just got off work from storyboarding. My brain's a little bit fried. No problem. Don't worry about it. It entails a lot of visual problem solving for clients and um, communicating like a narrative through an image. And how long have you been an illustrator for? Oh, about six years. I take the odd studio gig, like a contract. Right now, I'm um, I'm working on Ratchet and Clank. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, and but my like my main income is through um, illustration and print sales and all that all that good stuff. I've been doing a lot of shows in LA, like group shows and random editorial jobs and contracts for animation studios in Vancouver. Apparently, it's actually, sort of been my bread and butter. <laughs> Storyboarding and like background paintings. Like, definitely not what I would choose to do, like, in my personal time. I mean, I'm not getting paid to do paintings. That would be amazing. 
but like drawing and illustration all the same but i can't i can't even complain it's awesome now laura's based out of victoria yeah of course she is like every single other guest we've had on the show <laughs> huh oh i did not even notice that that wasn't intentional that it just so happens that i guess within bc every fledgling artist just naturally tends to flock towards south vancouver island and not every guest has been from victoria you know the photographer is justin and Allie. they live in vancouver yeah but i met Allie in victoria but she moved laura isn't a, a firm victorian either I'm living in Vancouver right now in like a little crash pad for this contract. So I, I sort of go back and forth between Vancouver and Victoria. That's uh, that's interesting. So you move with the work if it needs you to. I do, yeah. But I prefer to like contract out remotely if possible. Why do I know the name Laura Buffano? Yeah, I know. I thought the exact same thing. Well, what is it? It turns out that this artist has an unexpected connection to us. We don't know each other, do we? No, we don't know each other at all. You look vaguely familiar. Ah, yeah, I got that same thing. I grew up on Quadra Island by Campbell River, and I, I feel like the name Befano had floated around there. Did you, like, did you, wait, did we go to middle school together? I think it's totally possible. This is what I'm saying. Did, did, did you? you go, did you go to Phoenix? Yeah, I did. What? Oh my god, yeah, we went to middle school together. What year did you graduate? Yeah, I think you must have been a couple years ahead of me. Okay, yeah. Interesting. Did you grow up in Campbell River then? I did, yeah. Well, there we are. Oh, crazy. <laughs> Reunited at last. Oh. Are you serious? She went to Phoenix. Yes, she went to Phoenix. She went to our middle school in Campbell that River. That's hilarious. I know. Yeah, she was just like a couple years younger than us. Were you like into writing in middle school? Yeah, I was. I think he might have like come into our class once and like read a story about like cowboys or something. <laughs> I remember that story. Yeah. The story about cowboys. <laughs> hey, come in here. Come look at this. What is it? It's our Phoenix yearbook from when we were in grade nine. And look who I found. <laughs> Laura Buffano, class of 99. This moment is why I've kept these yearbooks, to finally find someone from the past and go, ha ha, look at you. <laughs> this is hilarious. Oh. She's quite cute. Oh, yeah. She's super little. I guess this was grade seven for oh, her. Yeah, for her, if we were in grade nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we put it on our website? Would that be gracious of us? <laughs> That might not come across as tasteful hostmanship. <laughs> we could put the pictures of us up, too. Ooh, I don't think anybody would thank us for that. <laughs> okay, we're going to do things differently today, aren't we? I'm going to close this yearbook now. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. We're going to do things very different, Taylor. Instead mm -hmm. of just uh, playing an interview and then playing our contest afterwards, we're going to do them side by side, a partaking in a little non-linear, non-linear, non-linear editing. Doesn't identifying the fact that we're going to be using non-linear editing kind of lessen the experience of listening to it? Uh, Let's hear what the contest is, shall we? <laughs> Thank you for bailing me out of that question. <laughs> yes. Perfect. But first, we need to ask Laura about a specific series of art pieces that she painted back in the fall of 2012. Tell me about the, the Cube portrait series, because I feel like I missed the punchline. 
it was for the Portraits Redefined show at the Art Gallery Victoria. And it's a lot of horses with cubes in the background. And I wasn't quite <laughs> sure what, what was going on there. I know, out of context, those are just so like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, there's this game. It's like sort of a pop psychology party game almost where you ask somebody a set of questions. You're in a desert. What does your desert look like? All right, cool. So you see a horse. Describe what the horse is doing. How far away is it? Also, there's a ladder. There's also a cube. And what's your cube made of? And where is it in relation to the ladder? The horse. Those questions are sort of supposed to determine something about your personality. Like the desert is like how you see the world and the cube is how you see yourself. And the ladder is your friends and the horse is your love life. And now I completely understand what you're doing here because, yeah, every single one of these uh, pictures is the outline of somebody's face. It's like a silhouette of somebody's face. And inside is desert, horse, ladder, cube. And every single one of them is different. Yeah, it's, I know, it's, it's corny, but it was fun to do. Interview your friends, get to know something about them, maybe. Whose description of a desert was like rainy and bleak, and there's this bug-eyed horse just staring at the camera, <laughs> and there's a big cube made of ice that's like falling over, and a ladder that only has <laughs> half of its rungs propped up against it? Yeah, that was my friend Alain. He's a stand-up comedian. Jeez, oh, he better be. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. I asked my boyfriend when we were first dating, he's like, yeah, my horse is running away. And I was like, oh, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> I think I see where this is going. And I'm a little bit worried. I want you guys to do portraits of each other based on the cube game in pastel. <laughs> oh, man. That's marriage, Moss. Oh, God. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Get ready to find out some shit. <laughs> uh, I need to examine the inner workings of your mind for this contest. I'm sorry. We've spent most of our relationship just trying to avoid that very thing. <laughs> Foundation of any successful marriage. <laughs> but why pastels? Doesn't seem like a weird choice for a medium? Oh, because it's super fast. Oh, <laughs> it's cool. <just> quick. <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah, and it gives wonderful texture. Well, that's easy for her to say. She's an artist. She was born an artist. She came out of the womb with all these fancy little fingers. Artists and their fingers. Urgh. They think they're better than us. With their fancy fingers. So, Laura, how did you get into art? Was it Mr. Oldroyd? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Oldroyd. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was the best. Mr. Oldroyd was, like, the greatest art teacher on the planet. He was just this super relaxed old hippie guy who just wanted us to express ourselves through pictures and, <laughs> but he wasn't also afraid to like kick your ass in a crit if need be which Definitely. is you know as a 13 year old it wasn't always easy to hear but i mean he sort of taught me to be a little bit critical he was like one of the first people who but i'm sure <laughs> that uh, your love of art did not start necessarily with mr oldroyd 
Oh no, my love of art started is because I was I was just an incredibly competitive child. Oh. So yeah. if it wasn't art, it would have been like basketball or something then. Oh my god, yeah. If I was born like eight feet tall and athletically gifted, I would have it would have definitely been basketball. If you were born eight feet tall, your mother would have had a lot to answer for. <laughs> so it was art then. Yeah, it was art. I tried beating my brother at eating. That didn't quite work. I tried beating him at sports. But art was like the only thing that I could sort of get get a leg up on, so I just sort of stuck with it. <laughs> Out of survival <laughs> so, instinct. It was my humble beginnings, but then I I just really grew to love it, and it became like an escape for me as a kid. You know, my parents went through like a pretty rough divorce, so art was like my refuge, and became a, became a career. So yeah, here we are today. So starting off our pieces, what to do first? Well, I guess the first thing we have to do is we have to sketch the the silhouette, right? Because everything's going to go inside that. You can't do it until you have. You're right. We need head. we need a perfect little silhouette of each other. I'm here. You're here. Turn sideways. Freaking! I was ju- I was just about to say turn. All right. I, will, <laughs> I guess we can't do this at the same time if we need a profile. Okay. Mm-hmm. That'd be awkward. You, you get to go first. Yay. <laughs> Drawing montage. Oh my god, it went so much better than I expected. Moss, you can confirm for the viewers, I mean listeners, audio viewers. Feast your audio eyes on this. It <laughs> anyway. Looks, it looks like me, actually, I think. But, yeah, no, 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 I'm talking in general, my drawing skills are not good, correct? Oh, so you're saying that you did better than anybody could have anticipated. Yes, because does it look like a head? Yeah, it's got a nose, it's got a little flip of hair in front, mm-hmm. it's got some pursy, whistly lips. Yeah, it does look like you're whistling, but I will take it because, because obviously sometimes you whistle, so. Alright, stop that. Let's see yours. Bam. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, it looks like me. That looks like you. Nothing interesting about it. I mean, okay. oh, well, no, sorry. It, it looks it looks every inch as... But from what I have seen, it looks exactly like me. I'm a little bit choked that I finally did good at something and you did better. I wouldn't say I did better, because we look different, so it's hard to really... <laughs> True. You're just really hard to draw. If you drew something that looks kind of goony and not entirely human, not super lifelike, it doesn't mean it's not accurate. So now we need to buy pastels, correct? Correct. Unfortunately, the closest opus is in Kelowna. So that's two hours away. So I guess we're at the mercy of the local office supply store. You just got some cheapo stuff, like chalk pastels or whatever. Even if you guys want to use, like, oil pastels, that's cool, too. I'm not picky. Well, cheapo is exactly what we got. We bought a set of Sergeant Art oil pastels. (laughs) Sergeant Art. But it's written Sergeant like a name, not like a military rank. Oh. They were cheap. They're non-toxic. So if we we eat them? If we run out of... Ruin my joke. Are we going to eat them? We're going to eat them. That's my joke. (laughs) The joke is that we're going to eat the pastels. (laughs) Uh, We've still got some paper from our watercolor episode, and it says right on it that it's good for pastels, too. So does it matter that we got oil pastels and not chalk pastels? Basically, what it means that we have the oil and not the uh, the chalk is that we cannot use the sole piece of pastel advice that Laura gave us. When you blow off the excess pastel dust, don't breathe in right away because that shit will go into your lungs and you will have like a 10-minute coughing fit. After hearing that, I'm, I'm kind of fine with oil. Now, I have not used pastels 
since high school art class. I remember, well, as we know, I was never particularly good at art. But I do remember using pastels. I did this bird thing, <laughs> and I was surprisingly proud of it. You could actually tell it was an organic being, mm -hmm. not just smudges. And I, I liked it. I was really pleased with it. Yeah, I loved art class as a teenager. You would learn like the most basic techniques, like uh, blending colors or smudging, but somehow the teacher always made them look so impressive. You have to be a fantastic artist to be an art teacher, because you have to do these, these very basic concepts and make them look amazing. But then as a student, as a teenager, when you came actually close to replicating one of these techniques yourself, you were always just so proud. I remember that, you know, you would pick up pastels and you would actually smudge together two colors that it made a bit of a blend. And regardless of how good your drawing actually was, I just, I just remember being just so proud of myself, just so astounded with the quality of the work. <laughs> so did you just have a whole bunch of like pastel and pencil crayon pictures all over your bedroom wall and on your mom's fridge and all that. Totally, totally. I was completely <laughs> one of those teenagers that had all the pictures that I had drawn hanging up on my walls, so tickled pink with them, looking back <laughs> on them. It was it was nothing but just blatant imitation of like CD covers and, and you know, just basically rubbish. But uh, A lot of angst. Uh, no, I wasn't an angsty child. <laughs> let's, not, let's not distort the facts here. Laura, when you think back on junior high or high school, right, being a teenager, are there any particular pieces of art that you remember vividly? Like any specific piece that you remember working on or remember being really proud of? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, did, uh, <laughs> I did this, like, giant, like, plywood painting of, like, four fairies. I thought I was being so brilliant. I was like, I'll make, like, each fairy be one of like the four elements of nature oh i don't know it was weird like i gave them all just like huge like superhero tits <laughs> just incredibly narrow waists because i was reading like a lot of x-men comics at the time and like oh dear um it was when terry dodson was i don't yeah. know maybe you guys are familiar with his work he's an incredibly competent artist but you know like he he, he draws the the large large tits on the ladies and i mean that's what sells and that's what works but you know as a 13 year old girl like i wasn't super aware of like the sexual side of that. I was just like, oh, beautiful ladies. I have to draw them and I will copy him. So I was just this like little weird nerdy girl drawing girls with like giant breasts. Yeah, anyway. So yeah, there was these four fairies and one of them was holding like this uh, club made out of ice. But the way she was holding it, it just looked like she was holding like this giant ice cock. <laughs> this giant tumescent erect ice penis. <laughs> I look at that picture now like I've actually been back and they still have it up and it's like this weird pre-adolescent boys fantasy painting do you feel Laura like now you are more aware of the uh ever-present male gaze in art when you do your work I am and it's it's funny because like I was I was not aware of that at all when I was first starting out. I remember like boys in, in middle school. I don't know why we keep going back to middle school. I guess that's our common <laughs> I guess so. Territory. It's what we have. Just being like, hey Laura, I'll pay you like a dollar if you draw me a woman with a wet shirt and you can see your nipples just a little bit. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I just do it. <laughs> that's so ex 
exploitative. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I look back on that and it's like, you know, when you're starting out, it's like you are, are pretty much just your influences. And um, you start drawing, you don't you don't really start off with a voice of your own a lot of the time. So that was just totally like channeling some 45-year-old comic book artist in, in New Hampshire. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I got your head pretty much drawn. Just kind of got to touch it up a little bit. Um, oh, crap. I think I just erased half your nose. <laughs> my nose? That is my best feature. I was just trying to fix it. Anyway, I like what I've drawn, but the problem with it is that this was supposed to be my practice sketch, so I didn't do it very big. Uh, don't worry, there's ways to fix that. Well, I start with doing um, thumbnail sketches in my sketchbook. It depends, like, if I have a set idea in place already, I'll do less sketches. But if I'm just like, okay, like, I know I need to make a painting because I have to do my promos this month and I have to update my website with some new stuff, I will do lots and lots and lots of thumbnails and just try and combine um, different ideas that I think would work together uh, to make it, like, a cool concept or an illustration like connect two things together that you wouldn't normally think would go together. Trying to come up with like a unexpected solution to a question that hasn't really been asked yet a lot of the times. Yeah, I noticed she seems to use a lot of juxtaposition in her work. And now tell me about the uh, Menagerie series. This is a series of beautiful backgrounds, lifelike nature, and then it has these pixel animals interacting with it, but they're rendered in 3D, so they have all the intricate shading. What's up with that? What are you doing here? Oh, boy. Um, Too much? Oh, no, 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 no. I just, like, I did that series, like, Oh my god, like two years ago. Oh my god, why are we even and still talking about it? Yeah, this whole like thing. Anyway, okay. My dad used to like take me out to logging camp with him as a kid, like me and my brother. And there wasn't a ton to do except for play like Super Mario Brothers <laughs> and like Pong and shit. That sort of instilled like an early love of, um, of pixel art in me. And um, I really like the idea of like rendering this, this 2D thing in a three dimensional environment. I tried to instill a lot of narrative in some of the pictures, but it was very much a series that was sort of driven on like an aesthetic, right? Like, you know, contrasting shapes and um, juxtaposing like these incredibly blocky square animals against like these like flowy organic backgrounds. All right, back to the process. Okay, so yeah, I'll start off with thumbnail sketches and from there I will scan it or blow it up and go over top with tracing paper and refine it to the point where I feel like it's ready to either go on to do a color comp or just to paint if I have a strong idea of the colors in my head already. Um, so from there, I'll blow up the drawing even more and print it off and do a graphite transfer. So I'll just like rub the whole back of the print off with, um, with graphite and then flip it over onto a piece of watercolor paper and press down super hard with like a pencil until drawing is transferred. So we didn't do that exact process because that sounds complicated and I don't even know what a few of those words meant. But I did really like the pencil sketch I did of Moss's profile, so I wanted to blow it up just like Laura does. So what I did is I scanned our sketches into Photoshop, I enlarged them, and then I cleaned up the pencil marks a little bit. I'm looking at the print of the enlarged sketch right now actually. It looks pretty good. 
Moss, I see you kind of lightened the outline a little bit so the mm-hmm. pencil doesn't show up as much, and, and that's good. It means I can kind of cover it with pastel. Yeah, no, totally. That's that's exactly what I was hoping for. I think that oil pastels lay down some pretty heavy marks, so you know we should be able to cover up these reprinted pencil lines now. So Laura doesn't use pastels herself for her professional work, does she? No, no, she doesn't. She just suggested it as kind of a quick artistic medium for us. Uh, hmm. She uses something a little bit different for her colors. Uh, first she does the thumbnails, and then she blows them all up, and then... Then from there... I draw it all over again <laughs> and like tighten it to the point where I can tell what's going on. And then I do um, just a wash of color, block in my basic tones and colors with gouache, and then I render the whole thing out. What is a gouache? Uh, gouache is opaque watercolor. <laughs> it's a it's a great medium. Um, you can water it down and and do thin washes, much like watercolor, or you can build it up and get this like really beautiful painterly feel. Hmm. And you can also uh, you can get this really cool like dry brushing technique with it if you um, basically like lay down a thick layer of it on a brush that doesn't have much water. It's uh, it's great stuff. Um, I use it for almost all of my artwork now. A lot of, like, Disney background painters uh, would use it back in the day. Like, Evan Earl painted all of the backgrounds for Sleeping Beauty with it. 101 Dalmatians, beautiful backgrounds, painted with gouache. So I'm just doing some thumbnailing here, like Laura recommends. Just kind of sketching out little quick layouts of what my drawing inside of Taylor's head is going to look like. Now, Taylor and I have already, off mic told each other about the vivid imagery that fills our minds, about what our deserts look like, our horses, our cubes, and our ladders. So that's what we're sketching right now, these impressions that the other person gave us, and which will be revealed to the audience before the final judgment. For now, though, thumbnails. Yeah, I'm glad you bullied me into doing this, because I pretty much totally forgot about the ladder the first time around. There's a reason why artists do drafts before starting a final project. Yeah, the thumbnails definitely help. I used to I just absolutely hate thumbnailing, and I just wanted to jump right in. But sort of the more I jumped right in, the more I discovered that my work was suffering for it. So I've sort of I've, I've learned to love like every step of the process and just see like how how necessary it all is. How long does this usually take? Like start to finish. Start to finish. About like two and a half weeks, average. About a week to plan, and then a few days to refine. And then maybe a week to paint. So we're going to do this quicker, right? Yeah, I'm thinking we're going to go start to finish tonight. I'm a busy guy. I got things. I think I'm actually going to start on the pastels. I think I'm ready. Pastels was actually pretty fun. I am super getting into the smudging. I got mm. my smudgy stump. We totally we bought this stump of rolled paper to, to use to smudge instead of using our fingers. And apparently it's way more efficient than, than using your fingers to smudge, too. Yeah, no, so far I'm using my stump. I'm using all my fingers. I'm liking the fingers. And then I use the stump for the edges. So I smudge around in the middle of my fingers. And then I use the stump almost like a pencil crayon with with pastel on the tip and I just get like all the edges really nice. I notice you are not smudging at all. 
Uh, no, I'm not really using the uh, the stump. The thing is, I I watched some YouTube videos on how to use pastels. Cheater. I saw that there were a couple of differences in how people do pastel art. Some people do a lot of smudging, and some people actually kind of use the pastels to sort of blend the colors by just drawing over with more pastel. And that's kind of what I'm attempting. It was it was something that I just kind of started doing at first, and then I saw that you were doing a ton of smudging. And so I figured, you know what, maybe I will do a lot less. And the result is that I have more of a speckly, grainy look to my painting, and yours definitely looks a lot smoother because you've blended it together. Yeah. It's quite interesting how different they look, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a huge contrast there. But the thing that I've really taken away from this is that this takes a lot of learning. Mm-hmm. We've come at this as complete novices, but I completely understand how people can commit years upon years to learning just the basic fundamentals that underlie, you know, visual design as a whole before they even start in on a single medium. Well, I went to I went to art school like straight out of high school. I went to ACAD, Alberta College of Art and Design, um, for really no good reason. I think a few like cool artists that I knew through forums were going there at the time and they're like, yeah, it's a great school. Come on over. And I was like, okay. Sure. Why not? Uh, the program was great. Like the first year was just all cut paper and uh, typography and color theory. And I think, <laughs> you know, strong emphasis on craft and yeah, that, that program really helped my, my work ethic for sure. And uh, attention to detail. And then I, then I graduated with like maybe fifteen dollars in my bank account and no idea what to do, I my my student portfolio coming out of art school is like so shitty. What I was talking about before with like when you're starting off, like you are pretty much just your influences was mm-hmm. like so true in my case. Like there's like oh there's a Tomar Hanuka piece, oh there's a James Jean piece. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like a couple years before I felt brave enough to sort of branch off from my influences and do my own thing. And I think that's when I started to get work. So we should like create our own styles to work with. Is that what she's saying? I don't know if we're quite at that level of experience yet, but uh, I think the more distinct our pieces can be, the better. I think this, well, this is what I would say. They're pretty distinct. Mm-hmm. How does an artist even get work as an artist? You go to school, just like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. You train in visual design. Yeah. But then how do you actually jump from, hey, I have, I know visual design to, oh, hey, I'm making money. We've talked about this with other guests, and it does not sound easy. One of my first big jobs was from an art director at Parks Canada, and I sat next to him on an airplane. I had no idea who he was. He's just like this old hippie guy who comes in, takes the window seat, and just immediately fell asleep. And like during takeoff, I'm like, oh, I just wanted to marvel at the beauty of the Rocky Mountains as we flew over to him. Dude stares me in the face, (laughs) turns towards the window, and just shuts the blinds and goes back to sleep. I'm like, you Ah. asshole. (laughs) He's the director of arts for Parks Canada. He sees this shit all day long. So I like I grab my sketchbook and like I'm drawing people and then I start drawing him and he wakes up and stares right at me and he's like, I see what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm <laughs> creepy. He's like, let me see. Better let me see. And so I was like, oh, OK. 
And so, um, anyway, he flipped through my sketchbook and he told me who he was and I was like, oh, what? And my, a lot of my instructors from ACAD had done work for him. So oh, really? we chatted for a bit and he was really cool, turns out. And yeah, we set up for like a portfolio interview and I went back to their office and I was there for like three hours. It was great. And then he called me like a couple months later with my, my first big Parks Canada gig. That was really Really cool. <laughs> fantastic. What a, what a stroke of luck. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, I worked some shitty jobs before that. I worked at like a kid's art camp in Calgary. That's not shitty. That's noble. Oh, it was so shitty. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it was like all day long. Like I'm just in this big like air hangar just with screaming children. And there was like nowhere to go to get away from the screaming. It was awful. And then they had this thing called the paint wall where it's just, like, kids would uh, just go up on this big whiteboard and, like, paint. And, man, some of these kids, like, some of them were awesome, but some of them were just, like, you could tell that they did nothing for the first five years of their life except for, like, interact with technology. <laughs> I remember this one little boy staring at, down at his paint, staring up at the whiteboard, staring down at his paint again. And then he turns to his mom, and he's like, Mom, how do I make it go? <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, sweetie, like you, with your hands. You have to touch the paint, and then you touch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a touch screen, except it's two-step. Yeah, totally. Anyway, that kid's probably autistic or something. <laughs> and, and you're a terrible person. I'm an awful person. I really enjoy this, you know? <laughs> Sitting in the kitchen, drawing pictures together. This is wonderful, isn't it? I used to do this as a kid with my other, like, uh, artsy friends back on Quadra Island. We'd just hang out. We'd just draw. I never did that. I was not the artsy kid. <sighs> I think I totally missed out. This is super fun. Yeah, you, you did. Art is entertaining, and mm. making art is fun. It reminds me of something that I was talking to Laura about, about that uh, menagerie series with the pixel animals. I'm not gonna like lie and say there was a ton of a ton of thought behind this series because there wasn't. <laughs> well, they're really entertaining. Oh, I know that's like the worst thing to say as an artist. Like, oh, I, you know what? I just did it. It was fun. Um, <laughs> Is that? I I don't have like a. Laura, let's talk philosophy here. <laughs> um, is art something that comes better out of struggle and hardship? Can art be just as artistic if it's pure fun and pure entertainment for the person that's making it? Absolutely. I think so. And I think a lot of people forget that sometimes. There's nothing that I hate more on this planet than telling people about my artwork or trying to give a reason. Because like, I, I, I always bullshit. I always do. And like 95% of the time, I'm just doing it for like my own entertainment. Like, ha, 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 ha. What if I like, put this guy in a cube? <laughs> awesome. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's really fun. And I think that people can always tell when you're having fun with your own stuff. Like I, that enjoyment definitely comes through. Every single piece that I've done for money or with uh, like a set, structure in mind a lot of the time hasn't hasn't in in my mind hasn't been as successful as the stuff that i just do for like my own entertainment um yeah hmm. artist statements man artist I statements them. i hate them i am very pleased with the shape of my cube it looks like a cube <laughs> in a in a cubic kind of way it's cubic it's very cubic it's cubic excellent you've got some dimensions on it i've got three Oh my goodness! I know. <laughs> that'll uh, that'll definitely impress Laura. She likes uh, shapes. I love thank you. I love shapes. Ah, uh, shapes. 
Shapes like cubes, perhaps? Cubes, triangles, um, and more cubes. She really likes cubes. Mm. There's, uh, there's this one piece of hers that I really like that she's put together for a gallery show in L.A. that's going to be held at Gallery 1988 West. And the show is called Space. Oh, I'm stoked for that one. Yeah, Mike Mitchell's curating it, and there's like a ton of super fucking talented people in it, and I don't even know why he asked me to be part of it, but it's rad. <laughs> well, I see a lot of amazing names on the lineup right here. Dan Hip, I love his stuff. Ollie Moss, Scott C., mm-hmm. Partridge. Yeah, so many rad people. And you know what, Laura, your second build on this poster. Oh, I think it's alphabetical. <laughs> Do you feel like having a last name that is close to the beginning of the alphabet has helped you professionally? Yes. Because I got to say, there's a lot of very talented artists that are listed after you on this poster. You've got a pretty prime spot. Have you looked at this thing? Have you looked at this poster? (laughs) I have, yeah. It's beautiful. It's it's got Jupiter on it. (laughs) It's Um, very nice. It's my favorite planet. It's a super nice poster. And the uh, the piece that you've done for it is very, very striking. I love the really angular, really geometric design that you have. Thank you. Would you mind describing it? Um, okay, it's a three astronauts. Go, 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 go soothing. Go soothing. Go soothing? Go soothing. You want me to talk soothing? <laughs> I want you to just, just be a bit more oh, soothing. You want me to talk soothing to you? <laughs> it's a three astronauts. And they're floating in space. But each astronaut is a mirror of the others. And they're reaching out with their hands and they meet in the middle. As space is fracturing around them in a scattering of triangles. And everything in the painting is made out of itty bitty little triangles. The painting is sectioned into three. And each section has a different color theme. There's a red color theme section, a blue and a yellow. And I call it Encounters at the Edge of the Multiverse. That sounded so can you can we edit that out? How's it going over there? We've been at this for a while. Your head is so big. There's so much more to color. Huge head. Yeah, I know. I'm uh I'm moving along anyways. If we have to go all night, we'll go all night. I hope you don't work tomorrow. I work tomorrow. I knew you worked. Like, I have some all-nighter stories where I was, you know, hallucinating that my colors were talking to me and just being like, oh, put me next to purple. No, don't put me next to purple. Purple's an asshole. I'm just like, paints, get along. I can't finish the painting. I was also taking, like, these um, caffeine pills. Oh, Laura. So I think I was maybe literally insane by that point. I remember the next day I was just wrecked. The lights were buzzing and I was afraid they were going to like come down at the ceiling and fly at me. And it was like, <laughs> just every noise. <laughs> oh, the life of an artist. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Laura has a pretty good thing going on. So what does the future hold for her career-wise? Well, she did a, uh, a cover for a book recently, which she's really proud of. Yeah, I want to do more of that stuff. I think that's going to be like my main plan of attack when I get off this contract is uh, doing a targeted promotion to publishers and literary agents. I definitely want to pursue like more personal projects, like doing a kid's book and finishing my graphic novel for once and all. I like I feel pretty fulfilled on what I'm doing right now. I think my main career goal is just to maintain and, like, I'm really happy. Like, I'm doing lots of different stuff. Like, I, I get bored, and I'm, 
I'm big into novelty. So, you know, when I get bored with illustration, do some storyboards. When I get bored with storyboards, do some comics. When I get bored with that, go back to illustration. Um, yeah, lots of gallery shows in between. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. <laughs> I just want to keep it going. I think I'm done. Yeah, I'm super close here. I'm just working on the sky. The sky's a lot darker than I wanted it to be, but I don't think I can really lighten it much more. Yeah, I like it. It looks good. Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty much a wrap. So is there any other pieces of advice Laura gave now that it's too late for us to actually benefit from them? <laughs> Nothing uh, for us specifically, but she did have some words for the aspiring artists in the audience. Don't rely on clients. Uh, if you don't have a client, set up an online store. Just keep making work. Set up a blog. Get an online presence going. Like, it is so important to have, like, a Twitter and a Tumblr and a Facebook. Just, like, interact with people and, like, become a personality. And the work will follow from there, for sure. I don't think, the, like, traditional avenues of promotion really work all that well anymore. Like, when I was in school, you know, we were told to send out, like, say, 400 postcards, like, every three months. And I've done that, but I don't know if it's my work or if it's the market right now, but, it, I mean, that hasn't worked for me. What has worked for me is, like, has been the internet. The internet is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and just uh, pursue personal projects because that, in the end, is going to be the stuff that's going to give you the most creative fulfillment. And, you know, paying your bills is important. And if you need to go out and get a day job, then there's no shame in that. Some of the best artists I know have day jobs. It's just the important thing is that you keep making art and that you keep that momentum going. I think it's time for the judgment. Contest time! Yeah, so far it's kind of already been contest, contest time! Contest time! For my piece, I have drawn the inner workings of Taylor's mind. Woo. Taylor's desert is flat and bare. I've layered in a baseline of yellow with hints of orange as highlighting and shading across the desert. There's a pine tree in the distance leaning away, casting a bit of a shadow, and there's a pine tree that's close to the foreground with scrubby little green needles dangling down. It's a ponderosa pine, which is the sort of pine that you see in a desert, as best as I'm aware of. A white horse has marched down into the center of the frame. It's looking real stolid and serious. It's got big chunky hoofs. Its mane is long and flowing and sort of pink. It also has a horn, which sort of identifies it more as a unicorn than a horse. There is a glass cube resting on its back, and in front of it, lying across its path, is a wooden ladder. Okay, so I guess I'll start with Taylor's portrait. That's the one I did. All right, so it's got this really chubby-looking pony, and this pony has just got the most determined expression on its face. It's like, I'm crossing this desert, goddammit. Technique-wise, I guess I would say it's it's pretty good. I like how Moss like, achieved different colors than you would see coming straight out of the pastels themselves by just layering them over top of one another. And then I like how Moss sort of, like, achieved this really sophisticated effect, suggesting, like, a shoulder in the silhouette just by, like, sort of angling the hair and the neck up. And I see some glasses in there, too, in the silhouette. That's cool. 
Moss's composition has some nice flow. You have a ladder sort of angling up towards the tree, and then the tree bench angles down and leads your eye towards this tiny tree, and then towards the unicorn's tail, and, you know, my eyes moving around. My picture is shaped like Moss's head. His desert is a yellowy, orangey, brownish color. Very, it's just sand. And then dunes in the background, and then some more dunes in the foreground. Up at the top of the picture is the dark blue of a night sky with a crescent moon in the center. In the right-hand quadrant is a black horse coming in at a diagonal angle. And the horse is running, and its mane is flowing out. And oh my god, I didn't put a saddle on it. It was supposed to have a saddle, and I forgot until right now. The horse is not wearing a saddle. Or maybe it is, but it looks an awful lot like the horse's back. We don't know for sure. And the horse is laughing because he's free from any saddles. On the left-hand quadrant is a grayish-colored cube. It's quite large. It has striations running down the sides of it, as it is meant to be made of a corrugated tin. Stretching between the cube and the horse's back is a bamboo-colored ladder resting just on the horse's back and just on the cube. And that is my picture. It is wonderful. It looks slightly Grecian in style, and that was intentional. All right, on to Taylor's. No. <laughs> um. I think the first thing that stuck out to me is that the sand dunes that she drew on top sort of look like a butt. <laughs> All right, sorry, um, Taylor's horse has like some great gesture in it. I can really sort of get a sense of its movement. It's galloping across. There's the ladder. Is the ladder falling on the cube? I can't tell. Or maybe the cube is like supporting the ladder. So I don't know. Maybe I would resolve that a little bit more. Maybe put a shadow under the cube to sort of place where it is in space. And I think that I would have maybe made the foreground dunes like a little bit lighter or darker to sort of differentiate them from the background dunes. But it sort of um, lends it a cool graphic effect to the whole picture because like the horse and the ladder and the cubes sort of forms like graphic silhouette. It's pretty neat. I dig it. And uh, oh, there's also a big crescent moon sort of hanging in the middle between the two butt cheeks. That's cool. So your eye definitely goes there first. Um, if I had to pick between the two, I'd say I would pick Mosses. Sorry, Taylor. <laughs> Just because I like the way um, he achieved different colors by layering over the, the pastels. And, uh, you know, there's some, there's some shadows that sort of place the objects in space relative to one another. And the composition's got a little bit of a better flow. Although Taylor's horse does have way better gesture. Those are my opinions <laughs> on things. Oh, no, I feel like I'm never going to win these contests because you're just you're just better than I am. Uh So even if I do well, I do worse. I frustrating. You know what? It is a little bit unbalanced because I'm trained in this sort of thing, right? I've got a lot of experience with art. And so I know how to do things like composition. But your picture was really good. Yeah. See, I am actually happy, even though I didn't win again. Again. Not going to harp on that again part. But (laughs) um, I I feel like I did well. Like I was I did so much better than I expected. So I'm starting to feel like 
the actual contest for me is not can I beat you, but can I be in the running? I really liked the bold, really sharp colors on yours, and the fact that it kind of looked like a Grecian vase. Like I think that actually really went in its favor. Yeah, I did apparently just paint butts. So well, there was one butt. There, there was a single butt. I didn't. I do not recall seeing multiple butts. There are secret butts. <laughs> oh dear! Even throughout the picture. <laughs> Can you find all the butts? <laughs> Mine had so many layers. Uh, anyways, yeah, I did like your picture. I mean, obviously I liked my picture too. But I know that Laura liked them both as well. And after her judgment, she actually tore into mine pretty harshly. Your unicorn is getting lost. You could have made the angle of the ladder a little bit stronger. Edges of your cube could use a little bit more definition. I would have maybe added like three pine trees instead of two, just because groupings of threes tend to look a lot nicer than groupings of twos. So there was criticism on both of ours, even if it maybe sounded a bit one-sided before. Well, that that actually makes me feel better. I mean, I can tell that she genuinely did like them both. That's that's all I gotta say. I guess they're really cute. They're like they're both super charming. <laughs> well, Taylor, it's been fun, has it not been? Has it not been? Oh. I thought it had been. I thought it had been. It was fun! Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to our show. And thank you so much to Laura Buffano for her time and her tutelage. Oh, thank you very much. She had so many interesting stories that I did not one, but two soundscapes in this episode. Laura's work can be found online at laurabuffano.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-B-I-F-A-N-O dot com. And she does actually have an Etsy store where she sells prints, although it is currently closed while she's running contracts. But don't worry, the store will reopen once Laura's schedule returns to normal. As always, we want to thank our wonderful and talented musician, Olav, for letting us use his music throughout this episode and every episode. We really appreciate it. Uh, His music, if you want to listen to it, and you should, can be found at olav.bandcamp.com. Let's not forget Kevin McLeod at his website, Incompetech.com. His royalty-free music provided us with the background for our desert scenes. And of course, you can follow us either on Facebook, on iTunes, or at our website, makeitpodcast.wordpress.com. And that's where we're going to be putting up the pictures from this episode, as we always do. We're also going to put up some pictures of Laura's art. You should check it out. Uh, She does some really, really cool stuff. As do we do some really cool stuff. I was pretty pleased with our stuff. I think it was pretty good. I always like to challenge the audience to judge for themselves who they believe the true winner of the contest was. I thought you were going to say you uh, challenged the audience to guess which one is the professional art and which one is our art. (laughs) No, I think they can probably figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot for listening, folks. We'll be back next month with friggin' I don't know. I don't have any plans. <laughs> with art. With art. There'll be some art. I'm sure of it. Well, have a good one, everybody. Have a great one. Go.
Make it.